Welcome to Season 2, Episode 4 of There is Power in Your Story podcast, a weekly conversation about empowerment, accomplishment, and vision. On today's episode, Ashley Jaramillo Kaysen works with international education, is an adjunct professor, a group fitness instructor, and salary negotiator. She is also a first-generation American, which shaped her career and her current work with international students. Tune in to learn about advocating for yourself and others by using your voice. Hi, Ashley. Could you please tell our listeners a little about yourself, both personally and professionally? Of course. And thank you for having me today. Um, So my name is Ashley Jaramillo Kaysen, and I am a first-generation American with a Colombian background. Um, My father taught me how to be resourceful and a hard worker. My mother taught me resilience and a heart of gratitude. So with those skills, I went on to pursue a bachelor's in interpersonal organizational communications at the University of Central Florida and um, subsequently a master's in higher education student affairs from the University of South Carolina. So that's a little bit about me personally, but um, more so professionally, I've worn three different hats, what is what I'd say centered around education. So my most predominant one is I work in international education, supporting international students who are in the US. Um, I've also been an adjunct professor which I love being in the classroom. And a mix of personal and professional is uh, I also serve as a group fitness instructor to helping people in their fitness goals. Although with the pandemic, group fitness looks a little different right now, but that's a little bit about me. That group fitness instructor sounds really fun. I've been doing it uh, as, as an instructor since about 2015. Uh, so be it Zumba or spin, I mean, I'll have you dancing or on a bike sweating more than you thought you would, that's for sure. So maybe we could have you again on a future podcast to talk <laughs> specifically about that. <laughs> yeah, anything that gets people moving, I think, is a great, a great step. Now, you had mentioned about being a first-generation American. So I was wondering if you could describe how being a first-generation American shaped your career and and the work that you do now. Honestly, it, it really is the reason that I do what I do. So coming from a family of five, I'm the eldest of three. And so being the eldest daughter, growing up, I was translating documents. I was a part-time interpreter, as I'd call it, for my parents, whose native language um, is Spanish. And so, you know, you're looking at a, a, a kid in elementary, middle school, translating doctor's appointment visit forms, legal forms, housing forms. It was things that I didn't realize were not typical that you would do. But as I grew older, I realized, wow, there's a lot of stuff that my parents have needed help with. Um, They're very self-sufficient now, but um, seeing them transition into life in the U.S. and, you know, eventually becoming U.S. citizens led me to uh, realize how much I want to continue doing that kind of, what I wouldn't really call work, but work with international students coming to the U.S. as they transition to life at the university, um, as they try and just create this new chapter of their life through the pursuit of higher education. And so now in that role, I look at students 
from a couple of different lenses. I help them transition through career and professional development, social and cultural adjustment, connecting them with academic resources. And, and really those are the, the main ones that I, I look to do so that they have a person just like my parents had, had me to um, not have to navigate this alone. When you are providing those supports, are there any major challenges that you notice your students tend to experience with the transitioning? So there is a process of culture shock and actually reverse culture shock that I've always found very fascinating. So when a student comes to the U.S., they experienced generally what we would consider the honeymoon phase. Everything is new. Everything is, in many cases, bigger. It's just very exciting. Um, a lot of liberty that they have being on their own that they may not have had in their home country. And after a couple weeks or a couple months, that honeymoon phase, as you can imagine, wears off. And when it wears off, a student might start saying, why is this so different? Why am I having a hard time with things that used to come to me so easily? Or a, a big struggle is a student might have great um, acquisition of, of English, but they have an accent or maybe words don't come to them as easily. And they may think that that equates to their level of intelligence when that is not the case. I mean, these are brilliant students and, and they get frustrated, right? And so... That is a process where I especially try to come in. Um, and then, you know, eventually there's the adaptation, the student adjusts. And then when they come back home, they can experience the same thing, reverse culture shock. They come back. They're excited. Everything is everything they missed. It feels new again. Then they might get frustrated that some of the things that they could do in the U.S. Um, as easily isn't as uh, accessible maybe in their home country. But then they adjust and they go through it all over again. So it is a unique process that they go through coming to the U.S., returning and going back, but ultimately at the end of it, um, they bridge their understanding of life in the U.S., their life and identity, you know, home um, to become a global citizen. So you mentioned about the experiences of your parents and what you did to support them during their transitions. And in what ways has this influenced you to advocate both for yourself and others and to learn how to share your voice? One thing that um, I guess you could say felt like a, one of my big moments where I felt like I was advocating for, for myself, um, and subsequently I strive to show others how they can do the same or prepare them with the tools, um, came in the form of salary negotiation. So as you likely already know, women tend to be paid much less than counterparts, and women of color, and in this case, as a Latina woman, um, even more so. And when you are going into the workforce um, as a woman, I think sometimes you might think, well, you know, what they offer me, like, that's my value. And, and really, that's, that's not the case in, in every scenario. So while we hope that an employer is compensating the employee fairly, it's also so important to do the research, right? And compare the research to the skill set you bring to the position. And so um, there was a position that I worked in where I had done that research and, and I'd um, come to the conclusion that I was going to advocate for, for a higher value salary because I'd researched it. I had the skill set and I and I, I knew I, I could, I, I was worth it, right? And even getting there, 
can take a while for, for a lot of people. And it was really outside of my comfort zone. So I had the research. I'd prepared like a mini little bulleted script for me to make sure I was getting to the point. And, and I shared that with the appropriate person that had offered me the job. And, um, and I was really nervous. I was really, really nervous to do that. You know, my parents taught me, you know, live with a heart of gratitude and essentially accept what you're given. Um, but I, I didn't want to settle for that, uh, given what I knew. So I had shared my proposal for the salary and the, listed out the reasons why. And, you know, after a little bit of conversation, because um, remember, it's a conversation. It's, it's not a demand. It's, so it's not that scary. It's just a dialogue. Um, we had come to a conclusion where they were going to compensate me um, more than the original offer. And for me, that was so empowering because it, it made me realize I, you know, your, your value isn't linked to money. However, you want your value to be represented in how you're compensated. And so um, having done that, um, I actually subsequently uh, became certified in a salary negotiation course and have been, oh, it's been a little while, but um, I've hosted sessions and done career ready women series, although it could be for men, for women, but I really like to focus on women um, to, to decrease that wage gap and help other women feel confident in what they bring to the table to to also to do the same. So advocating for yourself can also lead to, um, you know, significant differences in your home life, your financial life. Um, but it's got to start with, with advocating. You know, that was an incredible experience that you shared. Um, when your, your worth, um, your training, all that you have earned through your degrees to be represented through the salary that is presented. And then also with you advocating for yourself, that feeling of empowerment and then transitioning into a certification to, for salary negotiations and sharing your knowledge with other people. So I was wondering, where are you with that now as far as teaching other people about salary negotiations? Uh, well, I'll tell you what, I love teaching other people about it because I think it's one of those best kept secrets that shouldn't be a secret. <laughs> um, it's really in my current role since I'm um, given what I do. I, I share in student workshops, but on a personal level, I engage in a lot of conversations with, you know, colleagues or friends or friends of friends who suggested it because there's some really great resources and tools to know how to do this and do it well and put a frame a framework around it so you don't feel lost going into it because part of it is that education then putting it together with you know who you are customizing it to you and then you know practicing it. Um, and so there's been a lot of great success as a result of you know other friends or whoever it might be saying, you know, hey, it worked out. Um, sometimes it doesn't work out, but I can also talk to them about, you know, what might be some of the reasons or what might be some conversations you can have as a result of not having that um, salary increase conversation pan out that can prepare you to better ask that question in the future so it's not a dead end. That is a, a strong example of empowerment and how to work to empower others, giving them the tools, the techniques, the words, and then teaching them how to use it. I appreciate that you do that. 
Thanks. I Again, I, I love doing it. So if anyone's ever interested in talking more about it, I mean, I like to be a resource when it comes to that, because like I said before, it it really can change your life. If any of the listeners wanted to communicate further with you in regards to salary negotiations, is there a way that they could reach out to you? The best way to reach me would be via email, and that is a S-H-C-J-P, Ash C-J-P, at gmail.com. We have a few minutes left. So I was wondering if there are any closing words, thoughts, or points you would like to share with our listeners, or even I think of myself being employed at, at a university. What are some things I can do to help support our international student population? There's, if, if, I, if I may, there's this very brief story that we share at work and I think resonates deeply with me or for other folks in higher education and truly anyone who just works with people. Um, and it's the starfish story where there's uh, someone going along the beach. There's, you know, two people walking together. And as one person sees a starfish on the beach, to- tosses it back into the water and, and does that as, as they see them. And the person next to him says, you know, why do you bother? I mean, that's, there's so many starfish out there. Um, you know, it's nature. And I said, well, if I can uh, sort, of, sort of say, if I can save one starfish by tossing it back in the water, then little by little I'm having an impact or I had an impact at least on that one, right? And so we equate it to students. And even though, especially in the times we're in, um, quite frankly, can feel a little bit defeating at times to see all that's going on politically um, in terms of regulations that are impacting our international students or just general feelings towards uh, people from outside of the U.S. It, it can be a lot, right? It can really wear on you. But I think back on the Starfish store and I think if I can help one student at a time, over time, I will have helped so many students. And so I think that anytime we can do that, be it a student or be it a person, you know, I mean, they're both people, but um, outside of the context of a student, we can make a really big impact. Um, so doing that by by advocating is also a big one. You know, what is it that we know about someone by learning about them? So learning about the international student experience so that when it comes time for that next big meeting or that next thing, I can say, well, here's what I've been learning. Here's what I want to, here's the voice I want to carry because I have a, a seat at the table and I can share that voice, whereas someone else might not. But then think about how can I bring that person to the table as well? So there's rep- representation all across the table. You have shared such valuable information, both with me and our listeners. So I, I appreciate what you have brought to us today. Thanks so much for having me. And and uh, I was telling someone on a phone call uh, earlier, we got to keep on keeping on. So here's to that. I'm so glad we had this opportunity to hear Ashley's story. If you have enjoyed this episode, please share it with at least two friends and encourage them to tune in. Thank you so much for joining me this week on There is Power in Your Story. I look forward to sharing more conversations with you soon. Take care.